Great to see everybody here today. Labor Day weekend. It's awesome to see everybody here at church. Um, you could have been at the lake today. You could have been on vacation somewhere. And here we are together, worshiping God together here at church. It's just awesome to see everybody. Um, just a quick reminder, Clay texted me last night and said, just remind everybody that beginning this coming Wednesday night, we are going to begin a series on Wednesday night um, that we're calling Faith and the Public Square. And it's also about, you know, just civility and public discourse. And so each Wednesday night, he's going to have guests who will come and, and just talk about how their faith, how they came to know Christ informs their role as a public servant or as a journalist even. We've got a great journalist coming toward the end of, a mo- end of the month. And so it's just a great dialogue. But I know Clay's heart and what Clay is really wanting to invite us into is into a space where we see um, political conversation handled in a, in a, in a civil way. Because if, if you're like me, I'm just weary with political discourse in our, in our culture. Anybody else feeling that way too? And yeah, and, and, and just wanting to see people have conversation, they may agree or disagree, and, and, but they're able to talk to each other and work things out and, um, and try to reach some sort of mutual understanding about what the other person believes. So Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night, it'll be six o'clock here in the chapel. We have dinner in Drewota Hall at 5.15 to six. So uh, next four Sunday, or next four Wednesday nights, we'll have that. So, I'm a little nervous about this sermon because I've been actually thinking about this for a long time. Um, This idea of of being found, of of God pursuing us. So, whenever I read through the Gospels in the New Testament, I'm always struck by the things that Jesus says and and the thing that that, that Jesus does. And they seem to me, when when I read through the Gospels, they seem to me to be otherworldly, out of time and out of place. And so I find myself often both cringing and then, and then also cheering wildly as I read the stories about Jesus. So when someone is healed of a disease or when the multitudes are fed or with, when Jesus confronts some snarky religious leaders, right, and the, who think they have God all figured out, I'm like, go Jesus, come on. That's the good stuff. We like that stuff. Until I realized that had I been there, I may very well have been one of those hanging on tightly to the old order of things, settling for some summary knowledge of God over the real and dynamic and healing power of God being lived out right in front of me. So we can't help but read and hear the words of Jesus inside of that tension, right? So something deep in my heart thumps hard with the heartbeat of Jesus while my head often pushes back that things like miracles and and real open love and trusting faith and genuine community are things that, that we just dream up to help us get through life. And then you go on a mission trip. In 2017, Susan and I traveled down to Nicaragua with a group from our church and the Baptist church down the road. And ostensibly, we were going to go and build some houses and, and put on a VBS for a village outside of the, the town of Leon there in, in Nicaragua, close to the Pacific side of the country. And for Susan and me, it was a chance for both of us just to get away and then to get recharged from the, the weekly grind of ministry 
And, and of course, because I was the pastor on the trip, they asked me to, to speak at the, at the little community church there in the middle of, of, of Maranal. That was the name of the community. And so having been on a few trips like that, you never know what to expect. A different language, a different setting than what you're used to. You don't know the local pastor or the things that are on the mind of the people who've come to worship. And so I had a scripture text that I had jotted down and some notes that I'd made the night before. And so when we arrived at the church the next morning, my knee-jerk reaction and thought was, this is going to be interesting. So the church building was really more of a, of a church structure. Six poles holding up an aluminum roof, a makeshift, makeshift pulpit at the front. The people were seated in white plastic outdoor chairs like the ones you see at Walmart. The pastor lived in a one-room shack right next to the church, and he was eyeing me when I came in, and I can only imagine what he was thinking. Here's this gringo who had come from the United States for a mission trip. What is he going to say to my people, and what am I going to have to fix after he's gone, right? So I opened my Bible and my notebook, and I shared a message, speaking slowly so the translator could keep up. And now I can't even remember what the message was on. But what I do remember was the response. And it wasn't a response to my message. The people came forward. And these people I didn't know who lived in a different culture, a, a different geography, a, a completely different economy, came forward and they wanted me to pray for them one by one. And so I did. I'd put my arm around them and I'd ask the translator to, um, what they wanted me to pray for. And they would tell the, the translator. And then I just started praying for them. And for me, it was absolutely transformative. The, the power of the moment wasn't in the sharing of a message, but an experience of solidarity and love across boundaries and language that what we had in common was a shared experience of the presence of Christ. And there in this village of Maranal in a lean-to church just inside the jungle of Nicaragua, far away from all the things one would assume you had to have in place in order to have church, right? God found us there. So a few weeks back when Clay asked Roy and me to preach on this Sunday, I knew exactly what I wanted to preach on. So many of the parables of Jesus are about us. They're about our faith. They're about our expectation and about the value of discovering the kingdom of God. And what I love about this parable is that it isn't about us, it tells us something about God. In fact, as Justin said in the three parables that are grouped together in this section of Luke, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son, Jesus takes us deeper in understanding just how big, just how purposeful God's love is. And they are all about how God intentionally searches people out to carry them back to a place of joy and healing and restoration. So as Luke tells the story, Jesus is speaking to the crowds and the usual cast of Jesus detractors show up to heckle him. And they're the religious and theological purists who actually, they know the scriptures backward and forward. And as they look around the crowd, 
Their problem isn't necessarily with what Jesus is saying this time. Their problem is with who Jesus is surrounding himself with. If Jesus only knew who these people were, the sinners and the tax collect tax collectors, they didn't like him back in the first century either, right? He would find a little better moral company to surround himself with. And then Jesus, never at a loss for a teachable moment, launches into this morning's parable. And so in this parable, Jesus says that God is like a shepherd who has one sheep wander away from the flock. And in this telling, God is a God who leaves the other 99 to go after the one sheep who is lost, who finds the sheep, and then elevates the sheep, puts the sheep on his shoulders. And because you know that that sheep is tired and worn out and fearful and then rejoices as the sheep is returned to the others. And so when I read my Bible, I always ask myself some diagnostic questions about the passage that I'm reading. And, and this passage is really ripe for those kinds of questions. Like, who do you think in Jesus' time needed to hear that God had not forgotten them and was in fact pursuing them with a heavy-hearted intensity. And these are people who are hungering in the midst of Roman occupation, the daily threat of famine and war and disease and political upheaval for the God they believe will show up on the scene. And the only answer that the religious types can give them is that if they were just a little more faithful, if they were just a little more obedient, if they were just a little more perfect, then, then, then God, God would appear. If they got all the X's crossed, the, dot, the I's dotted, the T's crossed. And so Jesus' answer is a breath of fresh air. God loves you, and because of that love, you don't have to spend a lifetime searching high and low for God. God is here. God is coming after you, and God is coming after you in power. And that's Jesus' message of hope. I think we might have a sense of that in our own lives. So back in January, in our discipleship class that Clay and I gave, I asked a group to think about their life as a timeline from the time they were born to the present moment, and then to start putting pencil points above the line for those times that someone felt like God was near, that they had experienced a pivotal moment, um, they had experienced a transformation or a deep joy, and then also to put a mark below the line for those times when they felt like they were distant from God. Maybe during times when they felt uh, seasons of greater anxiety, or loss, or just simply trying to, to figure things out. And as you step back from, from your timeline, what do you see? And I can only speak for myself because every one of our experiences is completely different. And, and my experience doesn't always match, and it certainly doesn't define the experience of someone else. But let me say that as I get the bird's eye perspective of the larger timeline, 
Each of those valley experiences seemed to me to be a time when some very important and very transformative work is being done. And I didn't feel like that when I was going through it. If you'd asked me the time, I would have told you it felt very hard and very painful as I was moving through the times. If you'd asked me what I was feeling, I might, if I was going to be really honest with you, I might use words like in the wilderness or lonely or isolated or overwhelmed or misunderstood or betrayed and then a few others. But then as I look at my timeline, something would, would shift in those seasons. And maybe it was just that time healed some things, right? But more often, there would be something like a door opening, an opportunity to do something purposeful, a, perp a person who, who would come into our lives, a new way of engaging things, a renewed sense of strength and perspective. And that open door would then become confirmation that God was not done with me yet. And being in Nicaragua in 2017 with Susan and with the people in that small village church in Marinal is on my timeline as, as one of those door opening experiences. And that's the thing about door-opening experiences, right? They're almost always characterized by the presence of other people. And so when we look and we see who's responding to Jesus' message and who is beginning to follow him around the countryside and who's beginning to form community around Jesus, it's always people from every background who are just hungry for the presence of God. And that's it. No special qualifications, no special awards for being the most righteous or knowing the most scripture or having advanced degrees in spirituality or religiosity. In fact, I think we could say this, that the greatest parable was actually who Jesus spent his time with, who Jesus spent his time hanging out with. Because for him, people weren't a philosophy or elements of an equation. They were real, lived community, and his love was the message of hope. So it's no accident here at Widmont that you hear us talk a lot about small groups. And so last week, Mary Welsh, Owen, and I were, were meeting in my office, and we were working on grouping together our, our dinners for eight that we've been working on for several weeks. And uh, we had over 170 people sign up for close to 20 different groups with lots of facilitators agreeing to step up and, and host groups in homes or at least get them organized. But here was our prayer as we talked about it. Holy Spirit, guide us so that people will find life and joy just by being together. And honestly, I have to tell you, there is no expectation in these groups that people have deep theological conversations. I just want people to talk and to laugh and to eat a good meal and to share some good food and to share stories of their life. Because I believe that the most transformative events in a person's life come not from deep spiritual insight, right? But when we are just open 
to a simple, loving, engaging relationship with another person. In fact, my experience has been in over 30 years of ministry that those deep spiritual insights come after I've become open to showing love and experiencing love in real lived relationships with others. And, and here's a little secret that I'm just gonna share with this group, so just, let's just keep it to ourselves, right? Often, the group discussion or the study that we're doing, it's really just an excuse to experience more transforming relationships with people. Don't tell anybody that. It's the relationship, friends. And that was what was so powerful these past two weeks about our ministry fair. How many of you had an opportunity to sign up at the ministry fair? Maybe give me a show of hands or don't give me a show of hands. I don't know. Some people are raising their hands. Yes. And that was the thing that was so powerful about it. Every single ministry, and there were like 40 of them at these tables and these groups that were represented, had a story to tell of how God had given someone a heart to reach out to another person in love. Every one of them. From Habitat to Green Street to Rachel Bridges to the brand new grill ministry. They had like 40 signups on one Sunday. And also, and also pickleball. Can I just say pickleball is a ministry? Now let me tell you about pickleball because we're gonna do it this afternoon from three to five. Pickleball is an amazing ministry where there are 20 people who just show up and every single person who walks through that door is welcomed and they are cheered on. It is like the most amazing thing to watch. And it's pickleball, people, pickleball. Who would ever thought pickleball would be in ministry? We're going to end up in the Tennessee and new ministry at Woodmont. Pickleball, right? The heart of God is active pursuit of the one who feels far away. And there are no limits. Everybody just say, I want you to say with me, say no limits. There is no limit to the heart and love of God. God loves them all. And this is what I want to leave with you this morning. Our mission and ministry and life purpose is a response to a God who pursues us no matter where we've been or no matter what we've done. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. God does not care. God sees a person with whom God wants to be in deep, loving relationship. And God is pursuing us at any cost, right? So I don't know where you are this morning. If you came today feeling like you were in one of those valleys and you're just waiting for something good to happen, wanting to move um, above the line on your timeline. So I want you to hear some good news today. God is here. God loves you. And there are some people in this room this morning who want to welcome you on that journey to know powerfully and in an incredibly transforming way the love of God in your life. And can I say again, God doesn't care about the brokenness of the past. God sees the person that God is moving in right now. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we love you and we are so thankful for your presence here this morning and we thank you, God, for for pouring out your spirit on this place where we get to celebrate together, um, coming to a pause of labor, Labor Day weekend, where we get to enjoy time with family and friends and just breathe 
And we thank you, God, for the strength you give us to be a community that breathes together, that rests together, that enjoys and celebrates life together, and, and a community also that, that opens doors no matter where people are from, no matter who they are, no matter what their life experience is, but simply speaks into the life of folks that's saying, we want to make that journey with you and share our lives with you. And then let Jesus do the work that Jesus always does of healing and restoration. We pray. And all of God's people said, amen.